1: hey what's going on welcome back to spin rate the athletics toronto blue jays podcast my name is drew fair service and yes we are here talking about your toronto blue jays coming off a long overdue blowout speaking of long overdue we do this show twice a week we talk about the blue jays once a week me and caitlin mcgrath who covers the blue jays for the athletic you can read everything she writes at the athletic if you head over to the athletic.com spin rate sign up give you a tidy deal you can let them know that we sent you and we're off and running and then another time a week the other time later in the week me and ricky romero former blue jays starter former all-star talk about the toronto blue jays and ricky joins me today ricky how are you
2: i'm doing great um Felt good to finally see that Blue Jay offense wake up this this past series or past game. It was one game. I'm not going to get my hopes up because they got another tough pitcher tonight. So that should be fun. I know how much you like Otani. So I'm looking forward to uh, digging into this series and Cincinnati series, the St. Louis series. Blue Jays hopefully hit their stride. Well, you, Caitlin and I talked about this a little bit on the
1: weekend, and, and it's one of those things where they've Took two or three from from Saint four from Cincinnati felt like a little bit of a letdown somehow. Even though they took two of three, everyone was looking for the sweep. They come out, they they can't win on this Sunday. So we'll talk about the Danny Jansen game, as uh, producer Cam has noted it in the notes. We'll talk about this upcoming series um, with the Angels, as well as just sort of uh, you know kind of taking a taking a look around the the American League pitching. Uh, uh, uh what's the landscape. that uh, Kevin Gossman making his claim for the best pitcher in the American League. Shohei Otani going against the Blue Jays. Maybe he has a claim for the best pitcher in the American League. And let's not forget about Alec Manoa. But let's start by talking with the offense busting out, busting out a little bit, busting out just as they needed to as needed to do against the Cardinals in St. Louis with uh Jordan Hicks who throws very very hard which I think was maybe a bit of a concern for the Blue Jays offense looking a little bit exposed against velocity this year some of the Blue Jays batters faced more velocity in terms of just sheer miles per hour than just about any uh any other team in baseball but uh Danny Jansen you know you and I when we last spoke I said Matt Chapman's the guy when the when Matt Chapman breaks out that's when the Blue Jays offense will uh the floodgates will open but maybe maybe it's Danny Jansen I mean uh not only this year, obviously this year with, with through injuries, he's been unbelievable. But if you go back to May first of last year, Danny Jansen is the best hitting catcher in baseball. Did did anyone think that this this he could be this guy? I mean, I don't know that he's gonna be, you know, as hitting like like Johnny Bench, but like he's turned himself and has shown himself to be a very, very, very valuable offensive player from the loot for the legitimate behind the plate.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing him coming in was always his catching ability. He can catch. Mm-hmm. He can play defense, and he's somebody that's not known for his bat. But when you watch him do what he did on Tuesday, and it was two different pitches—a hanging breaking ball and and a fastball—in, and you can just tell he got those hands working, brought hit, got that head out, and and got those hit those two home runs. And you know what? Honestly, before he got hurt too, um, I know it was a small little sample, but we saw it early in the season how how he just looked different at the plate taking better at bats getting pitches he wanted to hit and and almost when he went down you're like oh man they're 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 going to they're actually going to miss him because he's a guy that 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 looks like he was in for a breakout year and and obviously that set him back a little bit and then he comes back and he's and he's right where he left off after uh, before he got injured um and the biggest thing I love the no batting glove look too, man. Like he goes out there and he just grabs that bat and hey, let's go. And I had a chance to to have him on my other podcast and just speaking to him and, and the work that he was uh putting in. And you can just tell, I mean, he's he's a hardworking, dedicated guy, a guy that worries more about the about his pitching staff, I feel like that you're just like, all right, just go out there and handle the staff. Whatever we get out of you offensively, good. Good or bad, we'll take it because you can play the shit out of defense. But, hey, man, if you're getting a good stick, too, and a threat in that lineup, again, it makes this lineup that much better. And like you mentioned, we've been waiting for Matt Chapman to break out. And, man, does that guy, like, does he have a little dark cloud over him right now or something? <laughs> because it just seems like, like you mentioned, we talked about this last week. He's hitting the ball hard, but it's just he's not finding the holes that it, that that you expect him to hit. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, when him having that lineup again, if you if you add a Danny Jansen with power, it makes this lineup that much better. I wonder if if there's something to
1: the difference of sort of the approach between Danny Jansen and Matt Chapman right now. I think if you think back to Matt Chapman's home runs in particular, they've come um, a lot of them to the middle of the park. He's hitting the ball to the big part of the ballpark, and I mean. When he really gets them, then it doesn't matter where he hits and they're going out. I mean, you know, he's hit a few up into that under that big Budweiser sign and like left center field and and had some to dead center field. But those are also, you know, the ones that he's getting pretty good, but they're falling on the you know, just on the warning track are still to that big part of the ballpark. Where Danny Jansen, I think, and and maybe I'm maybe I'm going crazy here. Uh, I think I've seen a few other people note this as well that he seems like he's um. Just sort of given up the pretense of like, oh, I'm going to use the whole field, and he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to pull the shit out cool. of the baseball, <laughs> like yeah. whatever. Let's go pull crazy, and yeah. uh, and and I think it's working for him. He's, he's using the opposite field, uh, you know, a lot less than he than he had. Uh, he's definitely, I mean, last year in particular, he went nuts with the with the pull stuff. But like, you know, why not? You know, go well,
2: g- lean in, you know, barrel the well, baseball and try to yank it down the line. The way this lineup is set up, Drew. A guy like Danny Jansen is going to see fastballs, so mm. he has to be ready. And if that's his approach to approaching a pitcher and saying, you know what, they're going to come at me with heaters. I'm just going to swing. And and like you mentioned, pull, pull, pull and, and get to that heater because he is going to see those type of pitches. When you're when you're looking at the bottom of the lineup, you're like, OK, I've just pitched around Matt Chapman because I know who Matt Chapman is and what he's capable of. And now I got to face Danny Jansen pitchers think like, okay, I can attack this guy with heaters and he's proving everyone wrong right now. And hopefully he continues to take advantage of, of the good pitches. He's seeing the hanging, breaking balls and all that good stuff. Because again, and we, I feel like we talk about this every week, that bottom of the lineup has done some damage. And if it continues to do damage, it makes it that much better for the top of the lineup. And I mean, hallelujah, it almost felt like a breath of fresh air having Vladdy hit a home run. And I feel like the whole team, the whole organization finally had a huge exhale um, after that. And and that, again, it, it looked good. It, this is the offense that we we were expecting out of them. Obviously, it it's we're not saying they're going to put up eight runs every single night. But this is the type of offense that we, sh- that, that we were expecting.
1: Okay. Now I'm going to throw cold water. You've done my, my job here for me by, by transitioning us. So while it was obviously so great for Blue Jays fans to see Danny Jansen go off like that, to see Vlad, you know, do what he has not done as much this year, which is like just do damage on bad, on mistakes. You know, I, I, I was looking at on, on baseball savant, they kind of break it down in terms of your run value in term, uh, in terms of by pitch. The pitches that are in the heart of the plate, pitches that are on the what they call like the shadow, so like 50% strike, 50% ball. And then there's, you know, uh, pitches that are thrown like waist pitches and, and, or whatever. Uh, anyway, there's four different categories. So what I've seen is, is that Vlad is not doing as much damage with stuff thrown in the strike zone this year as he has in the past. So it's good to see him be able to capitalize on those mistakes, really to, to pound a ball, to hit it in the air which has obviously been a big concern of his this year. And I know Mike Petriello of, uh, of MLB.com wrote an interesting about the book on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But my, my thing, my question is a bigger question. And it's something that while we don't want to diminish the the, the running, the outburst, the eight-run outburst, but I have, a, I have a bit of a concern that the Blue Jays are too right-handed. That something we've talked about in, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. that it makes them vulnerable against relief pitchers in particular because so many teams have, be, like you look at the Yankees' bullpen, just one big-ass, hard-throwing right-hander after another. And it makes the Blue Jays, I think, their their aggression, while is understandable, which is what I'll, I'll get to, but I think it makes the Blue Jays a little bit easier to pitch to. And I also think it's going to only compound – or can compound their struggles with runners on scoring position because there's not that good left-handed bat in the lineup. No, I want you to tell me if you think I'm crazy. Do you think that maybe they're too right-handed?
2: No, I really do. I think it's always good to have a mixture of a couple lefties. In this this instance, a lefty would definitely help in that lineup. I I really do agree with that. And um, that's why last year when they traded – Rowdy Telez, I was a little bit like, hmm, you know, mm. what, what, what happened? What happened there? And obviously we're, we're seeing what Rowdy's doing in Milwaukee and he's doing some good things over there. But you're almost like this is that's the type of guy. That I, and again, he wasn't getting enough playing time and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I really do feel and, and you have to wonder that if if this is a point of emphasis at the trade deadline, if if they're really going to look into this and and, and you would hope I know there's a guy that that played there this weekend that you would love to see in a Toronto Blue Jay uniform. So, sure, it'd be interesting. of course. <laughs>
1: uh, well, look, so so here's here's my reasoning, and, and I was talking about this with, or I was actually going back and forth on on Reddit of all places about this. Now, the Blue Jays are really uh, an aggressive team, so there's a lot of questioning right now, especially when the offense is in the is kind of sputtering. Which is, you know, why is why are the Blue Jays are getting exposed by these? sliders down in a way, you know, the kind of the thing that's plagued right-handed hitters for 40 years, right? That's a really difficult pitch. And there's a lot of talk about the Blue Jays aggression, but my my thing is this. You have to be aggressive in 2022. Because everyone's stuff is so good and because you get yourself into two into a two-strike count, it's not that you're going to only see that tough tough slider. You're gonna see. You can see any one of two or three pitches with two strikes from the mm-hmm. majority of relievers these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about Jordan Romano, right? He's like a, he's 50-50 in almost any count. He can he'll throw you that slider whenever he needs to, but he can also then throw ninety-seven past you. Yep. So if I'm a hitter in the big leagues, I can't get to that point. I can't let it get to two strikes because then I'm I like what what's the difference? I'm I'm out yeah. essentially there anyway. But having a left-handed bat in the middle of the lineup and I, I think would be invaluable to, again, those situations where the Blue Jays are trying to start a rally. Yeah. Where, where it's like when you're trying to string hits together, but you've got a lot of the very same type of hitters in a row, I think it makes them easier to pitch against. We'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. You alluded Joey Votto is a name that's always going to be out there, um, a guy who has full ten and five rights. So Joey Votto, Joey Votto wouldn't come to Toronto unless he wanted to, yep. and and he's owed a lot of money. And whether or not that is like would fa- factor into the equation, whether or not Cincinnati's looking to get out from underneath that money. It at the end of the day, it all comes back to Joey, and if he wants to play. And I think that yeah. you know Caitlin and I talked about it, and you and I talked about it a little bit um, uh, before we started recording, which is that he is in a lot of ways too perfect for this lineup. He also really seemed to have relished and like leaned into his experience in Toronto, which hasn't always been the case over his career. But he's a great, a great, a great option, probably at the top of the list just mm-hmm. for what he does, his ability to take pitches, his ability to to hit for power, more so especially in the last couple of years as he sort of abandoned his idea that he's going to hit four hundred or whatever it was. But uh, <laughs> but there are there are other guys out there as well. I mean, we saw the Blue Jays last year when they when they acquired uh, Corey Dickerson and uh well there was somebody else that they brought in that you know did the job okay I mean I think really but I think it's something that they're going to need to address and I, I don't think it's news I'm this isn't like Ross Atkins is listening to this being like holy shit what left-handed that's a crazy <laughs> idea but I I think that the outburst the other day was great and and again when we saw the Blue Jays at the end of the season last year number one they didn't need any left-handed they they hit so many home runs and hit for such power but I think it's if you want to win the world series, you're going to have to beat good teams. You're going to have to go through the Yankees bullpen. You're going to go have to go through the Rays bullpen. You're going to have to go through, um, you know, whatever, whoever comes out from the, from the West, the Houston, you're going to need a different look at the plate. And I think that's, it's something that should be the top of the list for the, for the blue
2: Jays. Yeah. And we touched on it a little bit last week too, that I brought it up saying that a lot of the pitchers do have the same approach against the, the Toronto blue Jay hitters. And we're seeing it more and more and more and more. And, I got somebody posted something like why does how, how do you let a guy like Hunter Green throw four pitches you know uh when he has a high walk rate and I'm like well are you not watching the damn game like the dude is like pumping fastballs at you mm-hmm. you're not going to you like you mentioned you don't want to sit there and and be like all right I I'm gonna wait him out because he walks guys. Um, this ain't mm-hmm. little league. The pitch count stuff is this is this is that's little league shit. Like, oh, let's get his pitch count up. Like, that's that just doesn't work in the bigger leagues. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you if you wait a guy out and, and next thing you know, you're 0-2 and he's throwing 101 and he's got a 87 mile per hour slider, you know, you're you're caught in between. So you don't like you mentioned, you don't wanna get to that point. That's why guys are being aggressive. Early in the count because the pitchers are that good nowadays, and 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 they're coming after after you guys. And honestly, we've talked about this a lot. The Blue Jays hitters have a huge, huge target on their back. Everyone knows how hyped up this team was. If I was a starting pitcher and I was facing them, I know how hyped up Flatty is, Toscar is, um, and everyone else. Matt Chapman. So I'm gonna bring my A game. I'm not that I don't bring my A game for any other team, but. I'm hyped to, to face that lineup and I'm going to do everything it takes to, to, uh, to go out there and dominate. And I feel like that's what every starting pitcher has in their mind. Like I'm going to, I'm going to show that the Toronto Blue Jays are not what everyone thinks they are. And, and, and you, you saw a little bit with Hunter green. He came in right after them and, and, and they, they struggled a bit and, and, um, yeah, I mean, you just don't want to get deep in the count. You just you, can't. Don't.
1: you you you've made a great point that I agree with very much which is you, you know he's he is going to walk people Hunter mm-hmm. Green but you don't know that he's going to walk you when you're down 02 yeah if you're like okay well that that's not my pitch okay so he threw me a fastball and it's he's located it well it's you know on the corner so I, maybe I don't want to swing at that one and the next one comes and it's like if it's a 50-50 pitch well, I'll wait because I'll get one better. It's like, now you're 02. And he's got this hammer in his back pocket and he's got 102. And, yeah. and, you know, as we're recording this here on Thursday. So by the time folks will hear this, this, the game would might be over, but like against a guy like Shohei Otani, who is pitching as well as he ever has, you can't wait. He's got too many pitches to get you out with. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you are, you know, the Jays don't have any lefties, so we probably, we might not see as many of the, as many uh, splitters today, but like that slider he's got working so well this year. And again, he'll throw you those pitches in any count and he throws a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Speaking of a hundred miles an hour, I am so excited to welcome in a, sur- not not quite a surprise, but a surprise in that we've never all been on the same, on the same show together. She covers the Blue Jays for the, for the athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, welcome.
3: Hello. Two times in one week. Two
1: times in one week, but this time we've got you, we've got me, we've got Ricky. We're talking about the Blue Jays' offense. And the question I asked to Ricky Romero, and he answered in the affirmative, and I'm going to ask you, which is what we're we're getting at, A, the Blue Jays' approach and how aggressive they are, um, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it can work against them. And one way I think it works against them is, number one, against relievers. And the reason I think it works against them is because I think, and I don't don't know what you think, are they too right-handed, their batting order?
3: Well, that's an interesting question because I think it's something that has been asked about the team for a long time. And thing is, like, one on the one hand, you go back to, well, they were pretty right-handed last year, and it worked for them. Um, you look at other lineups around the league. I mean, like, the Yankees are pretty right-handed, too. I know they have, like, some some big-hitting left-handers in their lineup, Gallo and, and Anthony Rizzo, which the Blue Jays don't have. And I think that's really what they lack. I mean, it's mm-hmm. – it's, they're – it's the left-handers that they do have in the lineup, which is not very many, Tapia, um, Zimmer. Uh, like, they don't add much pop to the lineup, and I think that's an issue, and, they, and it's not much of a threat. And even if you throw in Kevin Bijou at some point, whether he's going to come back soon, or uh, I would expect soon-ish, he's been playing quite a bit with Buffalo, um, and he's doing the things that he typically does well, but even if you insert him back in the lineup, again, like – the threat is not so much power with him. It's like, yeah, he can put up a good at bat. He usually sees a lot of pitches, and that's a good thing. Uh, and it's a different look for pitchers with him in there. But, again, it's not that threat that, say, the Yankees have when they are they have Anthony Rizzo or they have uh, Joey Gallo. And so is a left-handed bat something – I like, you know, on the one hand, it's somewhat of a simplification. I don't think one left-handed bat would suddenly solve all the Blue Jays offensive troubles, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. goes deeper than that right now. Um, and if the whole lineup isn't hitting, if one left-hander in there's even started, it's not going to change the whole picture. You need to get Vlad going. You need to get Teoscar going. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those things have to happen too. Um, but obviously like how it's unfolded the first six weeks of the year. I think if you had to circle, what are some big needs at the trade deadline, I would put a big left-handed bat, maybe one a and a swing and miss reliever one B.
1: I think um, number one, the point about the Yankees is a great one because when I was looking at this stuff yesterday, because I was, I was comparing the blue Jays and the white socks, the white socks mm-hmm. are very mm-hmm. much like the blue Jays. They're kind of treading water. They have a ton of really good right-handed batters, um, but they are, They're the only team that's been – that is worse than the Blue Jays with left-handed batters against right-handed pitchers, which is to Mm -hmm. to your point, which is that like the White Sox, the Blue Jays have got nothing from their lefties. You know, Zach Collins had a good week and it was like – it felt like a godsend. It was like this is exactly what they need. And I think that that's the the issue is that Kevin Biggio is left-handed and Kevin Biggio does do things well, but you cannot hit him in the middle of the lineup. You can't. He's ill-suited for that role. He's good as a number eight or number nine, right, to kind of turn the lineup over yeah. and and get, get guys going at the top. And again, as I've said 100 times, he's a really good base runner too, so having him in that spot is really beneficial. But the Blue Jays need someone to hit in the middle of their order that's left-handed, and Anthony Rizzo – Does that job beautifully for the cursed Yankees. He takes advantage of the, of the, of the ballpark, but he's Anthony Rizzo. He sees tons of pitches. He, he has good at bats. He's not afraid to punch the ball to left field when he needs to. Joey Gallo is a very different kind of guy, but obviously Joey Gallo is a, is a threat at any time and in, in any count to hit the ball to the fucking moon. And the Blue Jays don't have that. They, they don't have that. And they, they really need it. And, and again, I think it makes them vulnerable against good teams. And, you know, the Blue Jays offense is so stacked that when everybody's going great you take your chances you know what i don't i don't care I'll, I'll i'll take my chances against any you know relief corps in the league but when it's not that you've put a lot of pressure on guys who are free swinging guys who are uh who are then getting overmatched or in in tough against tough against tough batters and and it doesn't always work and you know if we think back to to what happened in september um if we are all being honest we're all friends here the blue days beat the living snot out of the orioles and maybe kind of helped to push some of those numbers up a little bit again not i as we've said i don't take anything away from any of the, the guys on the team and they can all hit right they're all great hitters the the guria hernandez you know lad Bobichet, george springer like you know that's five very very good right-handed hitters a left-handed guy would be nice. Maybe, remember when we stuck with Jose Ramirez? That would have been nice. But <laughs> but I, I don't know, Ricky, I saw you kind of no. nodding along. Like, you know, Cavambigio does things that are valuable. But again, I just don't think that he's the guy that's going to help to unlock this offense.
2: No, and, and to Caitlin's point, it, it's true. This lineup is going to re- be ran by, by a Vladdy Guerrero and a Tosca Hernandez. They need to get going. And the problem really hasn't been, uh, yes, they've struggled uh, to hit. But the biggest the biggest problem has been runners in scoring position because they're getting the runners there. They're just mm-hmm. not bringing them in. And and when you do that and and you continue to struggle at there, it just puts more pressure on a starting pitcher to to go out there and and put up zeros, put up zeros, put up zeros. And that's not sustainable over 162 games. There's going to be a point where the pitching staff hits a little bit of a bump, and the and the offense is going to be there picking them up. But right now the issue hasn't really been yeah would a left handed bat look great. Absolutely. But it's producing with runners in cor- scoring position right now where they're hurting. And it all falls because the bottom of the lineup, we've seen Espinal and, 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 and the great job he's done at the bottom of the lineup. It's it's the the middle, top middle part of the lineup that has struggled with runners in scoring position. Espinal, he is the top of the order yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> moved him up, which again, shout out to him and, and, and uh, you
1: know, Charlie Montoyo for all of the criticism and questions that have come his way. Uh, not afraid to to change things up. Not afraid to to reward a guy who's had a great season and has is a um, is a, is a tough at bat and a guy a guy who uses the whole field. Not exactly going to going to knock the cover off the ball or hit the ball to the moon. As I suggested, that Joey Gallo, who the Blue Jays obviously should have traded for last year when I when Caitlin, it wasn't even me. It was Caitlin who was really <laughs> yeah, saying that. It was Caitlin's point. It was all you. <laughs> um, but you know, Ricky, let's 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 move on. And you made a good point, which is that the offense is the pitching is, is going to hit a bit of a speed bump but maybe what if i presuppose that it isn't because the blue jays starting rotation is ridiculous and the question now i will ask is is perhaps kevin gosman the best starting pitcher in the american league
2: well there's so, a big fe- there's a big fella in that rotation uh that goes by the name of alec manoa that'll that's definitely giving him a run for his money uh is he one of the top pitchers in the american league absolutely is he the best? Ah, I don't know yet, but obviously he's he's gone out there and he's he's the he's been as good as advertised. Again, a guy who was let go by the Baltimore Orioles, bounced around a little bit through Atlanta, and then went to San Francisco, found himself, and then parlayed that into a huge contract with Toronto Blue Jays and. We're, we're we're seeing it i mean he's fun to watch when you go out there and the way he's attacking hitters and even his last start he he walked a few guys and i felt like the the the, the commentators were like wow this is the first time he's walked back to back guys and i don't know how long and i'm like <laughs> jesus if that's a bad start for him can you imagine how good he's really been and he has been really really good but um it's a it's a big luxury, when you're able to say you have Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa in the same rotation, and don't forget about the rest of the other guys, but those two top guys have definitely led this rotation really, really well.
3: Well, then, the okay. one thing I'll
2: say before
1: before I go over to you, Caitlin, is okay. is you talk about the or uh, well, well, you talk about, I talk about that that, uh, 50-50 where, where if you get to two strikes with Kevin Gosman, you don't know what you're going to get. You can't, you, he's another guy you have to be aggressive against Mm -hmm. because he has that, that splitter is always there, but it's also, so is 97. Right, so yep. you 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 can't you can't sit on one. So if you can't be aggressive, you, you, you as a hitter want to be aggressive early in the count. So he knows that, so he's going to be able to to get ahead, and then and then you're doomed. But I don't know, Caitlin, what do you think? Is is the is the, the battle for the best pitcher in the American League within the Blue Jays rotation itself?
3: <laughs> Maybe. Um, obviously, it's early. Uh, like the numbers, really, like Kevin Gosman right now, or specifically the Fangraphs numbers and like the way mm-hmm. they the way they determine um, their war. Like he is one win um ahead of even the next best um starting pitcher right now like he's at 2.7 um war and the next best is at like 1.7 so mm-hmm. um that just shows you that some numbers really like kevin Gosman. um i think it's fip mm-hmm. that likes him right he's got right. a really really low fip
1: um so and- I'll, I'll i'll for the benefit of the folks who may not know so fangraph's yeah. Fangrass wins above replacement is derived from FIP, from fielding independent pitching, which is only factors in the things that in the mind of this model that was created about 15 years ago or so, um, which was, you know, walks versus strikeouts and then home runs allowed. So if you, if you do what Kevin Gosman has done, which is you don't walk anybody and you don't give up any home runs, your FIP is going to be really, really good. Um, Kevin Gosman doesn't strike out at nearly as many people and he walks more people. But the, where Kevin Gosman has, gets his, you know, edge is that he allows really, really soft contact. So, so that's not captured in FIP. But it is captured in the runs and the runs allowed. And when we watch the game, that's more of what we see. So sorry, Caitlin, I I interjected there for a brief explanation. So that's why that's why Fangraphs likes him. Not that the baseball reference, which is built off of runs allowed for nine innings, doesn't like Kevin Gossman as much. But the way that he started this season has given him this huge, huge advantage on the on the Fangraphs tabulation.
3: Yeah, it's funny because I remember last year, like covering Robbie Ray. Um, FanGraphs War didn't like him as much because he gave up the home runs and, um, but obviously he won the Cy Young, so it's fine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like Kevin Gosman's, he's just really like he's such a cool guy, <laughs> you know. Like he has such a um, kind of like easygoing nature, and I think even the broadcast was talking about that the other day which is funny because I never usually get to watch the broadcast that often because obviously I'm there Um, and so it's fun for me sometimes to listen to like how the broadcast is talking about these guys and like I think Arash had talked to Kevin and how maybe Kevin earlier in his career would get could sort of really spiral I think with one bad inning or like you know get really um, messed up if if things weren't going his way and he's really kind of evolved I think as a pitcher and he's just very cool and laid back and you can see that on the mound like he doesn't usually look like he's like Frazzled at all. And like there's not been many times this year where he could get frazzled because he's just been in such command. But um you look at like the way that he's just um sort of found his way in the Blue Jays rotation, he's so easily um sort of transitioned into somewhat of a leader, but he's not, it doesn't strike me as like um a guy that's like like tells people things. He sort of just like lets his play do the talking, and you know, if guys want to ask him questions, he's <coughs> totally open to answering questions and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he's been, he's been cool to just cover and see how he works. And um, he's just kind of a a real laid back dude. And it's kind of interesting to hear him talk after games because he's very cerebral. He's really talkative and stuff, but I, I, I've sort of enjoyed getting to cover him over these first six weeks and kind of learned a lot from him already.
2: I remember when he, when he first signed with the Toronto Blue Jays and him coming from San Francisco, I got a chance to be part of that organization for a couple of years. And I had a friend text me right away and they're like, dude, you're going to love Kevin Gosman. You're just going to love him. That's all he said. He's like, you're going to love him. And I was like, wow, that's cool. He's like, if you ever see him, please say what's up. First class all the way. And as Caitlin alluded to, it just seems like he's he's that type of guy. And, and you're right. I, I, I kind of like watch. I really like enjoy watching his demeanor on the mound. He really it's. There's not a worry in the world when he's out there. It just seems like he he knows what he wants to do. And the biggest thing that I've enjoyed from him in a Manoa is how deep in the game they've been able to get. That's something you really don't see nowadays with starting pitchers because there's so many mixed matching and stuff like that. And managers trying to play, play ahead and who's going to be the reliever that comes out. But with those two guys, it just seems like when you're when you look up, they're in the sixth inning at like 65 pitches, 70 pitches, and me being I always like to say is coming from Roy Halladay University. You, you you love to see stuff like that. You love to see guys get deep into games because, as a starter, you you for me, I always took it personal. Like I gotta get into the seventh eighth inning to to give my bullpen a rest to to get to my closer and 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 minimize that the usage of of guys in the bullpen.
1: uh, One thing I want to say before we move on is that Caitlin mentioned, you know, Kevin Gossman's really good about letting his play do the talking and leadership leadership. Sometimes they'll show a shot in the dugout, and obviously, a very key tenet of Kevin Gossman's leadership is to let Alec Manoa do the talking. Where it looks like he's, again, he looks like a guy who's definitely like bemused by Manoa, who comes over with all of his like golden retriever energy and is like "yo," and then maybe Kevin Gossman's like, mm-hmm. like, like not dismissive, like obviously listening and engaged, but also like let, let Alec say his piece, but. The thing that, Ricky, you mentioned that I really want to key on, which is the ability to go into deep in the game. So we could get into the why didn't they let M- M- uh, M- uh, Manoa finish his game. But the thing that makes Alec Manoa so great and the thing that set him up to get so deep into the games is that soft contact. He doesn't strike out nearly as many guys as, as, as Kevin Gossman. And he obviously walks more than Gossman because everybody does. And but- hits. He's not but, scared to hit somebody either. <laughs> no, he's not afraid to hit somebody as well. But he, <laughs> y- y- if you look at uh, on Statcast, they have expected weighted on base average. So again, like an expected stat that includes everything: strikeouts, walks, home runs, hard the the the, the regularity of, of hard contact. And Gossman and and Manoa are exactly equal in the 86th percentile. So like really, really, really good at 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 at, main, at suppressing runs and mo- so much of that comes from Manoa who doesn't allow hard hit balls he doesn't allow you to barrel the ball up and he doesn't walk anybody again he's still so elite in that regard he only pales in comparison to Gosman who's the best that there is basically but it's just a bit of a different approach and 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 we've talked about it a bunch the Manoa's Manoa is a real battler and he's a real like he just you know what's working today and he, he gets in there and, and again uh, we, we talk about him as if he's kind of just scraping by in his guile, but he's a guy that can throw 95, 96, 97, like when he needs to, right? He doesn't always have to dial it up, but, but just a, a little bit of a different approach. But again, a, just a, an unbelievably good, um, a good start to the season and a guy that, you know, if you, if you're watching Alec Manoa being like, I wonder if this is gonna, when's this gonna turn? When's this gonna turn into a pumpkin? I, I can't see it. Like uh, the stuff that he's got, the, the, the command, the ability to keep the ball off the barrel and then miss it when he needs to. That's a really, really, really good pitcher for yeah, a long the,
2: time. The, the, the confidence that he, that he shows too, the poise that he shows when he's in trouble. I mean, we watched that. What was it? Basis loaded jam that he got in. And it's like, it was like nothing. He jammed, he jammed Tommy fam and an absolute saw job. And, and he did what he had to do. And just, he he goes out there again he goes out there every fifth day and you're just like okay is is this the day that he's going to give up you know a few runs here and there and but no he's just going out there and he's so confident in himself and that's 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 probably 90% of pitching when you're that confident and you know you're the man and you know you got to go out there and, and do what you got to do it's amazing him him and gosman the way that they miss barrels when when they're ahead in the count when they're in trouble how they're able to bear down in those situations when there's runners in scoring position all that stuff, I, I love watching that they actually get down to pitching. I know we we get a lot into velocity nowadays, and oh, who throws harder? Who throws this? Who's 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 got the nasty stuff? But when push comes to shove, and these guys are in in those situations, and you watch them actually work their magic and their art, it's to me, it's it's awesome to 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 see that.
3: Yeah, and I think another thing with Alec that gives you confidence is like. Some of the teams that he's most dominant against are the AL East, and they're the teams that have seen him (laughs) the most. Like you know, there's been opportunity for other teams to get a book on him, and consistently he pitches well against the Yankees. He pitches well against the Rays. Like he pitches well against Boston. Like they haven't played Baltimore yet, but like I assume he'll (laughs) pitch well against them too. Spoiler Um, (laughs) alert: He's going to be fine. Well, isn't that
2: isn't that the one team he he got hit around pretty bad last year? I mean, that's the Uh, one team I think.
3: Well, Robbie Ray got hit by the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. Um quite a <laughs> bit. I can't remember Alec exactly what his starts were like, but Baltimore actually hit the Blue Jays pretty well, honestly, last year. Like they and they, they they're not are, a bad they're, they're not a bad team, offensive no. team. It's been the pitching that's been the issue for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the thing with Alec has always been like he's well aware that guys are going to start to get him get to know him better and that's the thing with him is he works really hard like he's he's confident um and he's sure in himself but he also puts in a lot of work to get better and to make sure that he's not predictable out there that Mm -hmm. that he's one step ahead of the hitters too so that's also a lot of work goes into who he's been and and where he's still going in his career
2: yeah we Uh, i I actually wish we we were messaging not long ago and that, like Caitlin mentioned one of the things he he said he's like it's been a super fun pr- uh, processing and growing and learning in this game and that just show you who, shows you who he is he's not a guy that's going to be complacent in, in where he is now he just wants to continue to learn and i said that's the key man you continue to do that you're going you're off to great things in this game and the moment you stop learning in this game it, this this game will bite you in the ass uh,
1: i also i don't know if you knew this about him he's very big um, with, when they showed, when they showed him when he came out of that start, it looked like he was pleading his case with Pete Walker and, oh, I and Charlie it, Montoya. It almost, like it, Pete Walker is a big dude, and <laughs> he is like absolutely towering over him. Meanwhile, making Charlie Montoya look like he's like leading his elderly grandfather around somewhere. Like it, I like felt he like he was gonna enormous. pick up Charlie
2: and just like put him aside and be like, Charlie, <laughs> let me just handle this. I got it. I got the nine. <laughs> More spin rate coming up
1: right after these words from our sponsors.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: One last thing that we could talk about, again, before we take a quick look ahead to the Angels. Uh, Caitlin, you mentioned it uh, in in your own personal shopping list that you're going to do on behalf of Ross Atkins, which was a swing and miss reliever. So we're talking about taking some of the pressure off the bullpen. Um, with with these deep and and excellent starts that are coming from Alec Manoa um, and Kevin Gosman, but at the same time there is so, a definite need for some somebody in the bullpen. I think we saw that in the first game against St. Louis when uh, the three run batter kind of came up and 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 caught the Blue Jays a little bit. Maybe Charlie Montoyo getting a little bit cute uh, with going for the platoon advantage uh, that put them in a in an unfortunate situation. But when you talk about so. What is it about swing and miss, Caitlin, that you think the Blue Jays need in the bullpen?
3: Well, it's it's funny because the Blue Jays, I think we know, have faced a lot of um, top velocity this year, like the way their schedule has been. And it's really, it's kind of funny that like consistently the Blue Jays hitters are out there facing like just guy after guy after guy that is throwing a 100. And then, of course, like they pop call their bullpen and it's like, you know, it was Adam Simber throwing like a Frisbee up there. And it's like, when are the Blue Jays going to face some guys like <laughs> in their bullpen? But anyway, Um uh, yeah, the swing and miss, um, is something that was actually talked about, like, not so long ago with Ross Atkins. Like, someone asked him about it. Um, and it's interesting. I think they're kind of aware that they're not getting the swing and miss that they did even last year. And, like, it's mostly the same guys. Like, they, um, if anything, they added a guy they thought would get more in swing and miss from, and they're not getting that from, um, Jimmy Garcia. Um, but the the thing is, part of the answer to the question that Ross was asked was he was saying they they hope they can get more swing and miss out of who they already have. Whether that's again like trying to get more from Garcia, whether it's um, I mean maybe not that Tim Mesa is specifically a swing and miss guy um he does work a lot with contact but he can strike guys out obviously too um, maybe it's like a trevor Richards trying to get more swing and miss from him he's a guy that can get a lot of strikeouts um, i don't think he's quite at the level that he was last year um, so it, it, if it's just working with some of their individual pitchers who probably have a few more percentage percentage um, In them to get a, a few more Strikeouts Um, and then It's also probably something That they can add maybe internally I know last year time when we talked we talked about The elusive Nate Pearson Um, there's Also you know Julian Merriweather who We saw who's a guy I know you're big on Drew And there's a lot of hope with him and obviously You saw him <laughs> get out of it The other day against St. Louis Just by a foot I think <laughs> Or something um, he's very lucky That that um, was an Arenado uh, mm-hmm. It was a double as opposed to a home run Um, so you kind of hope that with Julian Merriweather's stuff he he could get more swag and miss but again like that is you're trying to hope on something that really hasn't shown up much um, beyond that like first week that magical first week of Julian Merriweather I'll never Um, forget last season I'll never forget as long as I live so yeah I mean
1: uh, sorry I hate to interrupt you but like that week against the Yankees, <laughs> t- Julian Merriweather pitched as well as anybody could. Like, he, when he, he, he struck out Aaron Hicks in a way that was like, Hicks didn't even e- shouldn't even have brought the bat to the plate. Like, he had no hope. He had no hope. He was dotting like 99 and then throwing that insane changeup. Sorry, I, I'll, I can't get over it. It's it like, I am, I am, I am Julian Pilt. That's uh, all I can think about is how good Julian Merriweather can be.
3: Yeah. So, no. if you could get, ba- if you get some of that, that's great. But, mm-hmm. and it's interesting, like, the other thing is that in the organization, I think they're sort of um, developing guys to have more swing and miss. So I think it's coming. There was also obviously that start in Dunedin a couple weeks ago where they struck out 24 of 27 against the <laughs> Yankees. Um, Like three pitchers combined for 24 strikeouts. Um, And so I think there's something there with what the Blue Jays are trying to do and what they're recognizing they sort of need in the organization. Um, I think the pitching lab that they've built in Dunedin at their player complex is showing um, some returns in that regard. And and Ross basically said that they are just kind of taking more risks. Um, I think they're going for more, going for more velocity, even if it's at some expense of command. Um, And that's just what they're doing at the development level so I think the Blue Jays are aware of that as something that the organization needs but that's not going to help them in the immediate I think like I said there's some options there if Nate Pearson suddenly comes along and he can throw swing and miss like that's what you're, you're going to take that for your bullpen but I think ultimately they probably have to go out and get somebody and, and the good thing is that getting relief pitching at the deadline is uh, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's readily available for the most part, and we've seen the Blue Jays go out and do a good job addressing their bullpen um, over the years, especially last year. So it's something they can do, and I think it's something they're aware of, and I would expect that they're going to prioritize getting another reliever because I think that's um, that would just bring their bullpen up to the next level.
2: Let me get, let me you, ask you guys. Let me ask you guys a question, uh, I, and I'm just curious. Because we talked about Joey Votto looking good in a Toronto Blue Jay, being left-handed, a Toronto Blue Jay uniform, be him being left-handed. If there was one reliever that you could go out and get right now, who would you go out and get?
1: That's a great question. This is this is one of those things where like the list changes all the time. And you know, you and I are joking about that, about like, oh, the Cubs have this guy in the sixth inning, and he throws 103 miles an hour. But like, there's so many guys like that now. so. I don't know. I mean, well, what I was going to ask you is, do you are you, you you are coming across a little bit like a little, a little bit of the old school guy? You know, you're like, you, <laughs> know, you know, maybe maybe it's. You know, are we putting too much emphasis on on swing and miss? Do you think it's just more about guys who can get outs?
2: Well, yeah, it it is about. I, I played with the closer who didn't have crazy hard stuff in Casey Jansen, and I saw the way he he did his job and how well he did it uh, as a closer, um, but. Yeah, I, I still feel like there should be some swing and misses at the at in the middle part of that in that of that bullpen. I've always said that, and I agree with you guys. I, I really do. I think there's there should be somebody that comes in and you're like, okay, this guy can come in and just blow the doors off three three straight hitters, and and you have no worries because it always feels good when you have that type of guy. But you know, and, and nothing against Simber and Richards, but they're guys who who don't strike guys out a lot and it, and they pitch more to contact and you know and 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 do the little things so well. But um yeah that's what I was wondering. I was like who's who's a reliever that would look good in a Blue Jay uniform and and I'm kind of going through the through the closers that are that other teams have right now that are in last place and I'm like hmm would a Daniel Bard look good in a Blue Jay uniform? I mean he's a guy that throws 98, 99, 100. Um he's a veteran guy, knows the ALEs and his story is pretty damn incredible too. Mm-hmm. But um so yeah, I was just that's what I was wondering. I was like you guys know the the players more so, I was. That's I. I was looking for your opinion.
1: I'm sure Caitlin's got a list that she's formulating as, a,
2: as we get closer to. <laughs> no, I, ha- I haven't.
3: I haven't started my list yet. I will. That's probably on my to do list.
1: <laughs> it's it, It's hard because the Blue Jays, to their eternal credit, are good at finding guys that we're not gonna like that I'm not necessarily gonna be looking for. Yeah. Right off the top, you know, when we when I. Uh, for example, I was looking for who are left-handed batters that the Blue Jays could could uh, could pursue as a as rentals at the deadline. So I'm like Andrew Benintendi, you know Cole Calhoun, mm-hmm. uh, you know Michael Conforto, uh, who, who's not going to come, uh, you know guys guys <laughs> like that. But the Blue Jays, like we're, we're, if, when we were sitting here last year, Caitlin, we weren't saying like I think the Blue Jays should go and acquire Trevor Richards, but they did, and it worked yeah. out really well. We weren't saying the Blue Jays need to go get Adam Simber today. And, and, and to solidify the bullpen, that guy throws 80 miles an hour. But, you know, the, it, it's crazy that we're, we're here. And again, I, I kind of went off a little bit on it last weekend, but like the idea of Nate Pearson, I just want the reality of Nate Pearson to line up with the idea of Absolutely. Nate Pearson, even just a little bit, because it's everything that Blue Jays could, could, could hope for. And, and Julian Merriweather as well. Jul- I think Julian Merriweather and Ryan Baraki are kind of like, kind of like mirror images of each other. Like, you know, as we saw on Monday night, Ryan Baraki really struggles against right-handed batters and Meriwether this year in particular has really struggled against lefties. So you got to be careful about when you deploy those guys, which is defeats the purpose of these like big velocity, you know, big dick donkeys coming in to get big outs, right? Like you need to just be like, I'm going to put you out there against whoever and you're going to blow them away. And Nate Pearson could be that guy. He, he really can. And I just, I need to see it before I can believe it, unfortunately at this point. And it, uh, it's not, it's not, I mean, it is a sexy uh, acquisition. If the if Nate Pearson wanders in and is able to throw kind of do what Aaron Sanchez did in like 2015, yeah. right? Just that, be that guy. About.
2: That's You're what I was about about. that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a guy that can honestly come in and and be a huge asset out of the bullpen and he's got great stuff. We've seen it. We've seen his good stuff and and you hope that he comes back and is able to help, you know, whether it's a starter or as a reliever. Um, but right now it looks like he'd be a, a reliever with the staff they got going. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so, Caitlin, you got anything else to add, or do you want to? Well, I was
1: going to move on to the Angels coming up this week. Mm-hmm. So, a couple. Of, speaking of bullpens, not necessarily big swing and you know big swing and miss guys, but familiar faces in the blue in the Angels bullpen. Uh, Aaron Loop oh, yeah. having another great year, but know good year. Hey, he's like sneaky
2: up. man. Aaron yeah. Loop yeah. is sneaky. He's just like just continues to go out there. It, and just put up good numbers every single year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's he's at that point now where it's like he's thirty four, but
1: like he has put together a very he's he'll pitch his five hundredth big league game wow. later this year. Like that's really something. And it, you know, in some ways, maybe he reminds me of a uh, of kind of like Jason Fraser. Jason Fraser was I mean, he doesn't quite throw as hard. Jason Fraser was I remember somebody t- talking about calling him the tuning fork. That it was like check the you check the gun against Jason Fraser you don't check the Jason Fraser against the gun it's like okay 94 then the gun is right but like he did that forever but yeah Aaron Luke Ryan Tapera who's who who bounced back um, had a great year with Chicago, <laughs> got, a, got an accidental uh, MVP vote. And uh, and then Aaron Loop, guys, you will see coming out of that, that Angels bullpen, as well as Rice Iglesias, who's not having as great a season, um, has had a little bit of bad luck, I think, and uh, given up with just a few ill-timed home runs. So was, some of his numbers look worse than, than others. but uh,
3: That was always his thing, though, didn't he? he? He always had some trouble with the home runs, I think wasn't that awesome? yeah
1: I mean a guy I think I feel like a guy with that with his style is, is always going to be kind of prone to that but he's really good and the Angels threw a whole truck full of money at him and obviously the Angels can score and the Angels uh, have got, got some a great offense and then they have uh, somebody who's as good as it gets going against them tonight I, I, I don't know I'm excited I'm excited to watch I'm always excited to watch Shohei Otani I'm excited to watch the Blue Jays try to figure him out as well are you yeah, going to be I mean- able to stay up I think so. I need to get a coffee. I was out playing baseball. I didn't get home till like midnight last night, so I'm like, okay, good. I'll be good. I'll be good it's, for sure, Tony.
3: The thing that's good about this series is it's kind of a little bit of a best-on-best best in the sense that the Blue Jays' rotation has been, um, by by some standards, by some metrics, the best in the American League. And then you have the Angels' offense that has been one of the best – as well um and so it's always kind of interesting when you contrast those two things you have a really really good um pitching staff although the angels will miss uh Gosman, i guess um Mm -hmm. but uh, going against a really good offense and um you know the blue jays then are coming off what has was a good offensive performance obviously the last time but they have to kind of keep it going and you always hear um that momentum is really big in baseball, and it's funny because the Blue Jays played so many games in a row where you're like they need an off day, and they didn't get one at the time. And then now they like kind of got it going a little bit, and they have this off day in California. Um, so I mean that's nice. I'm sure they're all glad to have that off day in California. But then you kind of wonder like, mm, would it be better if they just kept playing if their offense keeps going? But <laughs> I don't know how much truth there is to that, or that's just like a talking point we always we always turn to as the media, and we're like, oh well, you know, if they didn't hit, it's because of that off day um but i'm excited for this series i'm not super excited to having to stay up till 9 30 for it to start um
2: hey i'm feeling good i'm feeling good 6 30 7 o'clock my kids are in bed i'm looking forward to sitting back kicking my feet up and watching till 10 o'clock
3: yeah
2: (laughs) this
1: was like your your ideal day off right this is like a a day off in your backyard that would have been that would have been a lot of fun i'm sure Uh, We talked about the Angels. We didn't talk about this guy who plays for them in the outfield. I think his name is Mike Trout. Um, (laughs) He may or may not be the greatest player to ever lace them up, who is having another absolute monster of a season. He has uh, hit the Jays pretty good in his career because they are a baseball team, and that's just sort of what he does. So always fun to watch. The Jays against the best, as Caitlin said, and the Angels are playing really well. Finally, after like ten years, they're playing well, and they've got you know just the human highlight reel himself on the mound. So I hope I know I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you too, enjoy it, Caitlin. I hope you're able, and you, and you got to get up early to watch tennis. This is like a this is a tough week for you.
3: I know. Well, I haven't really been getting. It's on in the background. You can see. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really been getting up early. Um, I tend to like take it easy for the first week of a major because. It's like the early rounds and I'll be alerted if there's an upset and I need to like, you know, get out for it or something. But uh, I tend to save myself for the second week of a major because that's when all the, that's when it really starts to matter. Um, and, Caitlin, you uh, should
2: have been out here in Southern California. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Playing tennis all year round. <laughs> Living the life. Yeah, I'm not right. a very good
3: tennis player, actually. I'm actually no. not good at all. I just like to watch. I'm, um, I'm not a good, very good
1: baseball player. Yeah, here <laughs> we are. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that does it for this episode of Spin Right. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining us.
3: Thank you. The whole gang
1: me. here. Caitlin, thank you for joining us. Ricky, thank you as always for taking Absolutely. the time out of your morning to join us. <laughs> you get to go out and like have a whole day. We'll be back next week talking more about your Toronto Blue Jays on Switch.